1: Here's your host, John Chapman.
0: What is going on, everybody? It is absolutely incredible to be with you guys on a Sunday. Sundays are for football. We're so close. We are on the cusp. (laughs) Practice starts in just a mere few days. They're going to report on Tuesday. And then practices and all those things aren't too far behind. But just understand Tuesday's report day. It's not gonna be practices and videos and all those camp reports. That's gonna take a couple of days. Um, but we're so close. And so I wanted to get this episode done. I'm I'm excited about this. Like I'm a little jazzed, I had a little bit too much caffeine, but I think it's gonna be fun. And shout out to the countdown crew, everybody showing up strong on a Sunday. Uh, Yeah, Matthew Chip Kelly will be represented in today's episode There's no doubt about that Um, Because again, if you can't see the title This is the best and worst Okay, we're doing both sides of the coin here Of the 49ers front office Throughout history, okay GMs, coaches, owners Nobody's safe Uh, (laughs) And so yeah, I don't know Maybe perhaps I am uh, limiting The possibility of my future employment uh, With this episode But I think it's important and especially as the season is approaching, you got to look back before you can look forward. And you have to respect the past if you're going to, you know, move forward in the future. And so as we go through these, just understand these are my ranks. You know, I went over it with our brain trust. We had an awesome get together last night. Uh, we do our Zoom sessions once a month. Had an absolute blast last night uh, with the guys. Um you want to take part of those, again, head over to patreon.com, Forty ers Rush Podcast. But, you know, we went through these, and I've adjusted them probably four or five times. And if you agree with somebody, that's okay. Let me know who you disagree with, who should be on this list, who shouldn't. I'm too low on that person, all that stuff. Bring all of the pain my way. That's what I want us to do. And, and again, before I do move forward, I do have to talk about the extension uh, linebacker one, Fred Warner, Love that dude, man. He is going to be a 49er for a very, very long time. Uh, now the highest paid linebacker, and rightfully so, he's the best linebacker in the bunch. Being a third-round pick to the best linebacker in three short years, it's, an, it's incredible, uh, the journey that he has gone through. And I love that we locked him up. And, you know, if you look at it, just the 49ers roster, if you step back real quick, you have the number one young linebacker in the NFL. You have the number one young tight end in the NFL. You have the number one left tackle in the NFL, not young, and you got the number one fullback in the NFL, not young. You know, possibility to increase if you want to include, you know, Nick Bosa in that, we'll see. Uh, He was definitely playing at that level his rookie year, then the injury, we'll have to see how he rebounds. But there's 22 positions in the NFL. That's it. There's 22. And so... The fact that the 49ers have four of the best positions out of 22, that leaves 18. <laughs> There's 18 best positions you know, left in the NFL for 31 teams. This is a roster. It, it, a lot of it just kind of puts into context why it was okay for the 49ers to trade so much draft capital up into that number three pick to get their signal caller, Trey Lance. It just makes sense because you've provided yourself room in depth through free agency that you can go spend and be a little bit luxurious if you will at that quarterback position and so that's that's huge and yeah scott he brings this up man did you hear what all bread fred i like that name said about d ford d ford looking incredible gonna see him in camp again let me just say this okay i want d ford to be the starter on this team he's that good But you got to wait. Remember last year. Again, what did I say? Look at the past to respect the future. That's what it is. Came out week one last year, and, man, by the second quarter, he could barely run. There's a lot of stuff going on there. I want D Ford to be healthy. I really, really do. But I'm telling you right now, take every single thing you hear about D Ford with a giant grain of salt. Until he goes full speed in contact, Anything we get from D Ford is bonus, by the way. That dude reworked his contract and bet on himself to help us get people like Fred Warner, you know, locked up, Uh, people like Trent Williams locked up for the future. So, like, D Ford's a great teammate. Very, very glad he's a part of this team. I'm just saying I'm not expecting much. If he gets out there, our defense is going to be a whole next level. But again, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't take a snap the first six weeks of the season. I could be way wrong. He doesn't need to do much. And let's say he is healthy during training camp. I am putting him on the field on third downs only. <laughs> That's it. I'm wanting no more than 20 snaps out of this guy for the first few weeks if he is healthy, if all things are go. Now, hopefully he is. And again, he transforms his defense. You go back to 2019, when things were at their best, D Ford was a major player in that. That's just what it is um so anyway let's jump into this list because we got a lot i got about 20 people we're talking about here and we're going to start on the negative side so that we can end on the positive side we're going to work our way up so these are the um worst gms coaches owners um and we're going to work up to the worst number one all time and you know again i put a lot of you know polls out there and i thought it was interesting because You know, whenever you're doing that, it's quite interesting the way people vote. A lot more votes for the negative stuff than the positive stuff. That's just human nature. It's what it is. Yeah, I'm not going to hold that against anybody. But, like, I put a poll out there for who was the worst head coach of all time. It got 2,430 votes. Over 2,000. I put out a poll who the best coach was. It got half that exactly. 1,200 votes. So, like, <laughs> it is funny the way the mind works. And that's just what it is. That's just what it is. Shout out to Russ. What's up, CJ? Uh, CG. Glad that you guys are here today. So, I'm going to start number eight. We're going to old school here. Least favorite, worst GM. Um, one of them, Joe Thomas. Okay. Now, some people are like, who the hell is Joe Thomas? He was the GM way back in the day, and probably the worst trade in franchise history, the OJ Simpson trade, we gave up a first-rounder, two second-rounders, a third-rounder, a fourth-rounder for a 31-year-old running back with two busted knees, um, never really contributed whatsoever. It did bring a little bit of popularity and maybe some momentum and coverage to the, the program, but that was it um he went through several coaches and you know just two short years i think he went through three coaches in two years just totally abrasive abrasive from the start seven and 23 was his record as general manager here so i got joe thomas at number eight number seven and i was shocked you know in my poll that i said who do you think is the worst coach a lot of people threw this guy's name in there i didn't include him in my bottom four and that's mike nolan now mike nolan comes in his numbers aren't great he won 18 games, lost 37. That's a .327 win percentage. Not good for those keeping track at home. That's third worst in franchise history. And again, I removed the anomaly. So whenever I, you hear me say things like, oh, that's the worst or the best win percentage. If somebody only coached in like two games because they were an interim, I remove them. Uh, you had to coach a full year to qualify or be a GM for a full year, or whatever else. So he's the third worst of all that qualifies. Zero... Playoff appearances in four years. Passed on Aaron Rodgers. There were some awesome uh, draft choices. Do you want to give those to Mike Nolan or Scott McLaughlin, who I think would get credit, but Frank Gore, Joe Staley, Patrick Willis, that's great that he brought those guys in. But, man, those suits, and I have a knack, like a pet peeve of mine, okay? I call it the Adam Gase effect. If you are a self-acclaimed offensive genius – and you're a head coach and your offense sucks, then you're not a good coach. Mike Nolan, defensive guy, stepped in for his dad, all that stuff, defensive whatever, and we weren't good (laughs) on the defensive side. Despite having some of the best talent, again, Patrick Willis back there, oh, just no, uh, the suits were just so bad. and like It's not so much that you wore suits on the sideline. That's not what the issue is. The issue is, and we got into this last night, it's like Belichick wearing his stupid hoodie, right? Like, okay, it's stupid, but it's his thing. He earned the right to do that through cheating and other things, whatever else. And then you get people like Matt Patricia, not a good coach, okay? He goes into Detroit and literally tries to mimic and pick up right where Belichick left off, right? Hoodies, uh, he's bad in the press, he's acting like he's, you know, all-world. All It doesn't work. You have to establish who you are, then those things come. You don't just step in right away. And, and I, I don't know, it's a pet peeve of mine. So I got Mike Nolan at seven. Number six. Oh, here we go. Going after the, the big dogs here. And credit to Cintron, Brian Cintron. Um, I left them off my list initially and then went back and did some. John and Denise York, they get this one together. Um, what's up, Philip? I see you in there, man. Uh, glad to see you today, Philip. But Jonathan Denise Short, you know, whenever Eddie left Bartolo, they were the ones that stepped in, and we'll we'll talk more about Eddie later for sure. They didn't know what they were doing. Um, and you know, they were there from 2000 to 2008. Listen to their hires. The first coaching hire was Derek Erickson. We'll talk about him. Second higher was Nolan. We just talked about him. Third was Singletary. You had three head coaching hires and you went over 3. You struck out big time. The one thing that I do give them credit for, and I know a lot of people that have been 49ers fans for a while would probably have them, you know, one, two or three on this list, is that they stepped down. They didn't do the Jerry Jones thing and just stick around because they could. They chose to step down and then they gave it over to Jed. Um Jed's not on this list, by the way. If I would have done this <laughs> list three years ago, Jed would have been on this list. But Jed has two great hires, some bad ones, but he brought on Harbaugh, he brought on Shanahan. And so because of that, he is not a negative. Again, you look three years ago, mm, he definitely would have been on this list, but he's kind of, you know, pulling himself up a little bit. So that's John and Denise York at six. Number five, the draft ninja, <laughs> Trent Balky. Uh, and I know for some people, you're going to have Trent Balky as the worst ever. And I understand it because the, the way that I look at Trent Balky is this huge positives, huge negatives. Like he had some huge home run hits and some huge negatives. They all ACL teams drafted everybody that's hurt, cost us Harbaugh that little whatever was going on behind the scenes. Harbaugh was an amazing coach, you know, turned this franchise around, and he cost us that guy. But at the same time, he drafted Navarro Bowman, Alden Smith, Kaepernick, Gupati, Anthony Davis. Like, that is a lot of studs. But he also drafted the worst draft pick in 49ers history, A.J. Jenkins, LaMichael James. So he's got his misses. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, You remember all those seventh-round picks that he would get? Like, I love those personally. But they never really pay a doubt. I think we did get Trent Brown um, out of that eventually, and we traded that for, I think, a third-round pick, whatever. But Trent Balky is just a mess. And now that he's with the Jaguars, like, ugh, ugh. It just it makes me feel gross. But whenever I went back and looked at all of his drafts, I mean, he hit some huge home runs on some players. Like, nobody saw Alden Smith going that high. And, like, Whatever. Yeah, Alden Smith had some problems. There's no doubt about this, still having problems, but the talent was there. He nailed that. Um, and I better be careful. Anytime I talk about Trent Balky, Smash Mouse sh- shows up in my mentions, you know, the band. They're Balky. I think they're related to him or something. Um, so anyway, we'll see in the comments. Maybe uh, they'll come out. Uh, we'll see what ha- happens. Um, I heard somebody once told me um, one too many times in my life. But uh, anyway, moving on. Number four. Oh, goodness. I had this coach hire and just – not his fault. That, that's why I think I have him at four. Embarrassing. Jim Sula, the D-line coach, the mustache, the Ron Jeremy impersonator. Like, <laughs> this dude, he's a mess, but he never should have been a head coach. Like, I, I – He sucked, okay? He was really, really bad, and it took one press conference to know this guy's not a head coach material. He should never talk into a mic ever. And I know some of you guys are like, you shouldn't either, Chapman. You're probably right. You're probably right. But here we are. Um, He goes 6-11 his regular season. He only had one year, and you're like, oh, that's not too bad. 353 win percentage, not bad. But whenever you dive into it, the team was not competitive. Of the 11 losses... Eight were by 14 points or more. Like, we were blown out of almost every game. We beat some bad teams, um, and that's it. You got the terrible press conferences, the fart press conference, whenever the dude farted in his press conference. And to make it work, again, Jed York, whenever he hired him and he announced it, he compared the hiring – oh, this this burns – to that of Steve Kerr and the Warriors. Like, are you kidding me? Like, you're just setting this guy up for failure. However, I have him at four – Because he had a lot of positives. He was one of the best defensive line coaches in the NFL for a very long time. Um, And so, a lot of positives. Now, again, negative. Some people, and again, this, this came out on Twitter. I have never seen a verified source on this. So, take this with a grain of salt. But he was one of the ones that drove the wedge, or supposedly, again, this is hearsay, whatever, between Harbaugh and Jed York. And Harbaugh and the front office. And so... You know you remember because we had Vic Fangio, who's still a great defensive minded coach that would have been incredible to have him and we passed over the defensive coordinator Fangio for Jim Tom Sulu because Jed York saw it as his guy um, and it just went it just went bad. So again, Tom Sulu's bad. don't get me wrong as a head coach, but I don't think it's his fault. You don't put somebody that's incompetent in that position. You don't go from D line to head coach and it it was just bad. Now sticking with embarrassments, this next one number 3. We're going to get to the positives. we got a lot. This is going to be a long episode today, so buckle in. And again, like I I love this stuff, man. Um Mike Singletary. Now, shout out to Philip. I saw him in here earlier. Um he gave Singletary a pass for what he did with Vernon Davis because Vernon Davis's career was just bad. But whenever I think of Mike Singletary, like I just uh oh, I just like it hurts. There were so many embarrassing moments. Do you remember the halftime speech where he took his pants off? Like (laughs) he was giving this halftime speech and pulled his pants down for several minutes and continued to give it. He was making some type of attempt to connect with players. I don't know what it was, but it did work out well. Lost the locker room. um, All the sound bites, right? And you got to give it to one of the best sound bites ever. I want winners. I want winners. You can't win with them. can't win with them. Won't play with them. Like all that. I know I'm butchering it, but it was great. That was cool. But it was always about him. You know, you look at the numbers for Mike Singletary. They're not that bad. 18 and 22 in the regular season, you know, close to 500. He had a, 4, a 0. .450 win percentage, middle of the pack, but zero playoff appearances in his time here. And it was an amazing roster. It was so good, in fact, that once Singletary was like, oh, Harbaugh stepped in straight to the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> I mean, just it just went, it went awesome as soon as he left. So he couldn't control the locker room. But Vernon Davis, you got to give it to him. He was a linebacker coach before. It helped with Patrick Willis. But, again, I, I don't want to give coaches credit for Patrick Willis. He succeeded with everybody. He was the best linebacker in the game his rookie year. I could coach Patrick Willis to an all-pro season. Um, So take it for what you want. But, again, so much embarrassment, so much negativity, so much toxic. Like that's just what he brought. I think if maybe he was on a front-runner team, perhaps it would have worked. But he wasn't. Um, you you can't do all those charades and all that stuff if you're not winning games, and he didn't win games. Number two, and I know a lot of people will have this guy number one on their list as the worst ever. I got Chip Kelly number two. Now, why is he number two and not number one? He went two and 14 in his only season. 0. 0.125 win percentage. That's dead last for all coaches. Um, and so that's that's rough you know what i mean like it's bad and like 2 and 14 sounds bad but whoa, whoa, whoa it gets worse i started going through all the box scores for his one season here three games only three were decided by six points or less that's it we got blown out every single game we were the worst team in the nfl and i don't even think it was close Um, but this is what's funny. And this is a theme with the next two coaches. We only had two wins that year, but both the wins came against a division opponent. Both were against the Rams. And that makes me chuckle. Like, even in the 49ers' worst season ever, we beat the Rams twice. Like <laughs> We swept them. Like, how do you only get two wins? You remember we came out. It was the blackout game, like, week one. Um, it was, like, Thursday night football or Sunday night football or something like that. We were in the all black and reds and just freaking chopped them up. I think we rushed for, like, 200-plus yards that game. Um, but, anyway, uh, Tommy, do want to say thank you for the gift, man. He said, P-Dub is the GOAT. I am with you, man, Um Philip is one of the best ever. Appreciate that guy. He cracks me up all the time, man. He's a lot of fun. But back to Chip Kelly and the bad things. Blaine Gabbert. If you want to piss me off, okay, the names Blaine Gabbert hurt my brain. The sound phonetically is painful. The memories are painful. The fact that he wore that uniform is painful. It hurts. My least favorite 49er of all time. Least favorite. No redeeming qualities whatsoever. Uh, just a turn on and off the field. Just, ah, I can't stand him. I, I I can't stand him. Zero playoff appearance, obviously. It is one year. And not only was Chip Kelly bad on the field and the coaching and all that stuff, he was terrible to the press. He was awful to the fans. He was arrogant all the time. Terrible to beat writers. Cut off any type of fan interaction with training camp. Um, wouldn't let reporters watch practices. Like, just sucked, <laughs> just awful. Like, there's no positives with Chip Kelly. Um, so if you have him number one, I don't have a problem with that. Like, that's how bad he is. But, and, and you know, I want to go back real quick to the poll. You know, I asked, who was the worst 49ers coach ever? Jim Sula got the most votes, which I think shows 45%. Again, that's out of 2,400-plus votes. I think that this is a little bit of a testament to this was done on Twitter. There's a lot of new fans. That's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. Obviously, if you remember Tom Suley, you remember Chip Kelly. But a lot of these fans do not remember Dennis Erickson. Let me teach you. Let me teach you about how bad it was, those Dennis Erickson years. He ended up getting the third most votes, only 18%. I don't even think it's close. Okay, Derek Erickson steps in and goes 9-23 in the regular season. Okay, you're like, all right, that's bad, but not terrible. The last year he went 2-14 just like Chip Kelly. Okay, and guess what? Again, this is awesome. Only two wins. Came against a division opponent, the Cardinals both times. So, again, even like, yeah, this franchise is so storied. Even when we suck, we sweep a division rival. <laughs> That's just funny to me. So and then to make it even more uncanny, both wins came against the Cardinals with the exact same score in overtime. I don't know if y'all remember this is like a great trivia question. I should have held it back. Both games, we beat the Cardinals 31 to 28 in overtime. What the hell, man? Like figure that out. One of the worst teams ever but we still beat them twice in overtime with the exact same score. No playoff appearances. And the thing that seals the deal for me is when you back up. You back up and you look at the big picture, okay? Dennis Erickson came in and took over for a back-to-back playoff team and drove it straight into the ground. This is after Seifert, right? So like things are great, Super Bowls, playoffs every year, all those things. And then straight garbage. The 49ers would not make the playoffs for another 11 years after Dennis Erickson took over. Not until Jim Harbaugh. That is the desert. We went from promised land, Bill Walsh, George Seifert, five Super Bowls in the playoffs every single year. Best dynasty in pro sports to Dennis Erickson, two and 14 in two short years absolute garbage um and so again i know i'm talking negatively and i know i'm not a negative guy but this guy crushed our franchise for a decade for a decade ah it, it it's so bad yeah ericson lost garcia and teo by year two um yeah terry donahue you know that's somebody that i wanted to put in there his cap management was trash um i didn't have him in there but man it was so bad and just the coaching was bad all of it was bad ah that's that's why he's my number one on worst and so that's where he is now before we jump over to the positives and i got 11 that i want to talk about so we're going to be here in a minute hopefully you guys are enjoying this um i do want to just a real quick word for fan tracks and our best ball tournament i think this is the last time i'm going to talk about it because i got some other new fantasy stuff coming your way All right, fantasy football peeps, do we have something for you? Fantrax is putting together a tournament for 49ers Rush Podcast and Eat Sleep Fantasy. We're kind of partnering to put this together. It's completely free. You're going to play in a best ball tournament against me and the staff at Eat Sleep Fantasy. And if you beat any of us, you get a ticket for each one of us that you beat. Now, here's how best ball works. Again, completely free. It doesn't cost you a penny. All you're going to do is you will get a salary, $300, to build your 18-person team, eighteen person roster, your quarterbacks, wide receivers, whatever else. Each week, the computer puts your best players in the lineup after the week. So you draft, and you're done for the year. This is easy. No time commitment, no money. This is an awesome way to build a com- uh, community and to see if you can beat me, which I'm going to be honest with you. I'm pretty good at this stuff, so we'll see what happens. But I'm rooting on you. Um, so... Head to Fantrax.com slash ESF, and here's what you win. If you beat me or any of the staff over there, you get a raffle ticket, and listen to this prize list. Autographed Joe Montana jersey. Autographed Willie McGinnis. Autographed DJ Moore. Autographed Keenan Allen jersey. Autographed Calvin Ridley, Amari Cooper, all courtesy of our partners over at fantracks. This is an absolute blast and a win-win. Cost nothing. All you do is go to fantracks.com/esf or follow the link in this um, video and that's it. Set up your account for free, set your lineup and you're done. We'll keep we'll keep pace and see track this throughout the year to be a lot of fun. So go over there, check it out fantracks.com/esf if you have any questions as always, please don't hesitate to reach out. <laughs> All right, Um, and I do want to say, like, a lot of people have, you know, emailed, texted, messaged me saying, hey, let's do a fantasy league. We did the charity things last year, and I really enjoyed that. Turned out to be a lot more work than I was, you know, wanting to bring on, and with me coaching this year, like, I'm scared, and so (laughs) I am in the works, working with one of my, you know, really, really good friends. Shout out to Steve Spaccarotelli, at S... SPACC21, one of the best dudes out there. If you don't follow him on Twitter, he's helping me. We're organizing a super freaking gigantic fantasy league for this year. So stay tuned for that. I'll give you more details um, and how to enter that. And basically what we're creating is an unlimited. (laughs) We can have as many people as possible join that want to join. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Real quick, just want to say thank you for the gift. Jimmy, he says, what do you think of the Chandler Jones trade? This was reported earlier this morning, about an hour ago, from Jeremy Fowler of ESPN. Um, His tweet reads this, quote, All pro pass rusher Chandler Jones requested a trade from Arizona Cardinals this offseason. Jones has been unhappy with his contract and future with the team. Cardinals don't want to trade him and expect him to report to camp, but certainly a situation to watch, end quote. That's huge. You know, if you went back and listened to my – all NFC West, all pro edition, Chandler Jones and Nick Bosa, they're both first team guys. Like that's how good Chandler Jones is. Led the NFL in sacks just a year ago before his injury. He got reportedly, allegedly, upset with how much money went to J.J. Watt. This guy's been with the Cardinals for a minute now. He wants a new deal. They're not paying it. They sent it to somebody else. We'll just have to see what's going on there. Um, again, this guy is a top five pass rusher in the NFL, probably top three, to be honest with you. He doesn't get a lot of the press, uh, just because he's in Arizona, but he's a hell of a player coming off an entry. So that's weird. But that entry happened early. It was like training camp or like week one or two. So like, he's going to be just fine. I love animosity. Anytime there's something that's happened within a division opponent. But again, let me just say this. I have no respect for that team. The roster's great. The coaching staff is abysmal. The front office is trash. So the Cardinals, as long as they have that, you know, young hottie, uh, whatever you want to call him, Kingsbury, as long as he's there, no success is going to take place for that franchise. Um, Yeah, they've got studs. You've got D-Hop talking about retirement, right? You've got Chandler Jones wanting to get traded. Those are the best two players on the roster. Kyler Murray's great. No doubt about that. Can't ride roller coasters, but he's a good football player. Um, terrible offensive line. Like they, I'm just not worried about Arizona. Yes. They play the 49ers. Well, uh, it's a division opponent. And even when we went to the super bowl, two of our toughest games were against the Cardinals. Um, but in the, in the big scheme of things, I don't have them making the playoffs. Um, I, I, I just don't see it. So I love the fact that they're, you know, bickering and arguing and all those things um that is awesome um kevin says this hey john hope all is well uh with the new job yeah coaching's going really really well um it's rough it's a big difference you know i'm at a school that my son goes to and it's his 18th birthday today shout out to uh joe turning 18 today um we're, we're going out with him and his girlfriend we're gonna go to do a dinner and all that kind of stuff later on um but It's different, man. You know, the football program I worked with in Texas, we had over 320 football players on average each year I was there. I start summer workouts, seven kids show up here. <laughs> I know it's not just a California Texas thing. It's a school that, you know, suspended their football program about four years ago. And it's a magnet district in Pasadena. So, like, kids can pick which high school they go to. And there's like football heavy ones, and there's one I'm at. So, it's rebuilding a culture. And so, it's a little bit less working on football and a lot more community relations and reaching out, phone calls, talking to grandmas and things like that, which is cool. It's just different, Uh, but yeah, we'll see how it goes. Now let's let's go back to the main discussion, and I've got eleven. Okay, I started off with five, and I can't leave these people off. There's just too many good people. Our franchise is rich, (laughs) you know. I I say it all the time. We're spoiled. So number eleven, I've got Carmen Policy, President and GM, 1991 to 1997. We made the playoffs six out of seven years. He was the GM. One Super Bowl. Three NFC champ Championship losses, but three NFC Championship appearances. Um, drafted Eric Davis in the second round. Ricky Rudding Waters in the second round. The Neck, Merton Hanks in the fifth. Bryant Young in the first. Lee Woodall in the sixth. Terrell Owens in the third round. So many just like check, 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 check. Um, he, he was just a positive guy that kept this roster stacked. Number 10. A lot of people probably will disagree with me on this, but I... I want him higher. Um, and, yeah, Kevin, like, if, if you wanted – Kevin comes on here and says, top four executives all time for his carbon policy. Yeah, you're not wrong. But, man, and like, when I go through these, nostalgia kicks in. And for me – And again, I don't know if you listened to the intro, if you guys made it on time. You heard my boy Frank Gore on there, man. One of the coolest moments of my life was hanging out with him down in Miami before the Super Bowl. And Scott McLaughlin, who was kind of the vice president, GM. It was a weird situation. Him and Balky, he would set the draft board, and Balky would make the picks. McLaughlin is amazing. Um... Yeah, I did mention uh, Joe Thomas. That's where we started off. He was really, really bad, that OJ trade. But I got McLaughlin at 10. Some of the best picks of all time from 2005 to 2009. He was only with us for a short time, but I felt like his impact, we're still feeling it. Frank Gore in the third round. Vernon Davis first round. Delaney Walker sixth round. Joe Staley, Patrick Willis. That, I mean, good Lord, that's two Hall of Fame players. Patrick Willis is going to get in. Frank Gore is going to get in. This dude is responsible for bringing in two Hall of Famers. I think that is huge. Um, so, like, I love Scott, um, and I still follow him. Anytime he's on a podcast, I listen to him. Um, I subscribe to his website when he was doing that for consultation. I love the way he evaluates players. Uh, and number nine, this one might uh, cause a little bit of a fuzzy. We'll see what's up. I got Kyle Shanahan, the current head coach. Um, I don't think that he's done enough to vault himself up, but he's one of four head coaches to get us to the Super Bowl. We've only had four coaches coaches to that point. He didn't win it. The record's not great. He's thirty five and forty five, which is a point four three eight win percentage. That's eleventh. That's not great. But one of the best seasons in Forty Nine ers history. We just couldn't close the deal. Two and one playoff record. Um, and this is interesting. Shout out to Catalina if she's listening. She put this up on Twitter. He has the exact same record of as Bill Walsh did after sixty four games twenty nine and thirty five exact same record um you know made it to the Super Bowl in his third year, just like Kyle Shanahan. The only difference was things got really bad after that year with all the injuries but I'm telling you right now Kyle Shanahan is not done on this list. Don't be shocked if if he goes up and finishes top five or even higher um because, again, it's not just about what you win. It's not just about win percentage, whatever else. This dude went from the abyss to the Super Bowl in three years. And, and so I give him credit. You can focus on wins and titles and all those things. And we're going to talk about, you know, George Seifert and Bill Walsh and all, Jim Harbaugh and how they all stack up. Obviously, Bill Walsh is far away different from everybody else. But there's something to be said for taking something that's depressed <laughs> and inflating it, right? Um, and so I think that's huge. Um, yeah, I know I pronounce names. Thank you, Nana. I appreciate that. It's kind of my thing. It, it, it I'm bad. It's McLuhan. I get it. I get it. I know I'm bad. I apologize. Whatever I did, the best and worst players of all time episode, and again, teach me. Like I I'm, I'm I'm not doing this on purpose. I do research, I practice all those things. I'm just bad, man. I'm just bad uh so <laughs> thank you for helping with that brian what's up man glad you're here he says uh shanahan will finish at number two or number three when it's all said and done and i i want to come back and talk about what it would take when we're done with this list for him to finish that high number eight uh the original hc good old santa clara silver fox as he was known buck shaw um he was the very first head coach in the 40s and 50s and you know Didn't have a lot of success, but a one-on-one playoff record. Only one appearance, playoff appearance in nine years. And he did make one championship appearance, though, but it was a little bit different there. That was before the Super Bowl. But he had a 71-39-4 tie regular season record. That's .645 win percentage. To start a team to win consistently early, I think that's huge. In setting the precedent, I mean, he was with us for a minute. And so Buckshaw, I've got at number eight. It was fun diving into a little bit of the history with some of these older coaches that obviously were, you know, coaching well, well before Little Fat Chapman was running around in diapers. Um, but yeah, it was fun to learn about him. Number seven, the, the Rucci, Steve Mariucci. I have a soft spot for him. I really do love this guy. Um, I, I, I think he's awesome. Steve Mariucci. Did you know that you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks you can turn ten dollars into a thousand with basketball hockey college basketball entries today on prize picks america's number one fantasy sports app and here's what's great It, it you can get action on sports on more than 30 different states across the country including california texas and georgia on top of that, you've got playoff basketball actions on the horizon. And this is the best place to take advantage of all of basketball's postseason actions. Some of these player props. Nikolai Jokic for over 10 rebounds. Anthony Davis more than 2 blocks. Lillard, 4 3-pointers made. You get to pick exactly how you want to use your bets. So, download the app today. Use code 49ers49ERS for a deposit match up to 100 Again, that's promo code 49ers for a first deposit matchup up to $100 over on Prize Picks. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy.
1: information, information connect with a wealth advisor today at corient.com. that's c-o-r-i-e-n-t.com Corient.com.
0: three and four playoff record he won 57 lost 39 games that's a 0.59 win percentage and i feel like he gets a bad rep sometimes because people either love or hate him he made the playoffs in four out of six years as our head coach like, made it to the NFC Championship only once. So, like, I understand we were never a title contender, really, with him. But, man, we were beyond competitive. And as soon as he left, right, he was brought in by Eddie DeBartolo, And then whenever DeBartolo lost the team, eventually moved off from Mariucci. That's where that valley hit. That's where it was just like, boom, Dennis Erickson. Like, it was just straight, just trash. But, man, making the playoffs four out of six years... I think that's a testament to like how awesome uh, we were because that wasn't to our standard, right? We we had Walsh. uh, We had Seifert. What's this only one NFC championship in six years nonsense? That's not our standard. So we moved on and we didn't know how bad it could be. And it got bad real quick. But uh, Mariucci, I think he's one of the best just people in the media, Um, just authentic, authentic. I know some people don't like him. That's cool. But I love that dude. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm seeing some uh, T.O. slash Mooch and all those things and Jed York and all that stuff. Now, you got to say this, too. You know, if I'm looking at Mariucci, whenever he left, that was not on Jed York. That was on the other Yorks. That was on Denise York, right? That that was on John and Denise York, not Jed. Jed didn't step in yet. I know he was still a part of the ownership and all that stuff. But yeah, John York, Tommy, you're exactly correct. Um, and that's why he wants to punch something. I, I feel you. Withhold your anger, my friend. Uh, don't punch something. Uh, <laughs> uh, I say that. I Little known Chapman story real quick. I was playing pickup basketball with some buddies in college. Uh, shout out to Chuck if he's listening. And uh, I lost a basketball game. It didn't even matter. Like we were playing like three on three, half court. It wasn't even a big deal. But um, you know the padded walls underneath the basketball goal uh, that like stop players running full speed like into the wall? Like I just got mad and I walked over. And I was like, dang it. Boom. And so I punched the padded wall. And sure enough, Boxer's fracture, like, shoved my knuckles back into my hand, had to have surgery, all those things. So, uh, Tommy, please don't punch a padded wall. It goes bad. Uh, Lots of money for Chapman in college with no health insurance. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) don't do that. Number six, back to the list, the founder. Oh, I love this. Tony Morabito. This dude, oh, my gosh, so fun looking back and reading into this guy. He started the 49ers, okay? I've got him at number 6. You could put him so much higher. It took him 15 years of consistently trying to get a team in San Francisco, but the logistics just didn't work. Um if you remember like back in the 40s, 30s and 40s, most of the NFL was, you know, Packers, Bears, Lions, like kind of that Midwest and the East Coast. And a big reason why the 49ers or the San Francisco couldn't get a team is because air travel wasn't that big of a deal yet. Logistically, just like train rides back and forth and buses just didn't work. And so once air travel kind of picked up and it was more practical, then it worked. Um, in 1944, he set off into Chicago and finally got them to agree to let the 49ers have a team. But they had to wait for World War II to end. So they signed it in '44. They had to wait for everything to end. The 49ers played their very first game. Yeah, I feel like this is an awesome trivia question as well. Where did the 49ers play their first game? I'll put that out there. I'm going to let that hang for a second. 1946, what was the location? Where did the 49ers play their first game? Um, Whoever gets it uh, first in my thing, uh, I'm going to send you a T-shirt on me. So uh, what's up, Robert? Uh, fan from England. I love it, man, uh, from across the little pond there. So, again, here's my question. Where was the location of the 49ers' first game in 1946? I will send you a shirt, the first one that shows up on my screen. Now, I do have to say this. The names, the order is a little bit different on YouTube and uh, Facebook and Twitter and all these places. So I just want to say if if yours looks like it's first, I'm going with what's first on mine because I have to use like a mesh uh, app that brings all the chats together so that's got me in trouble in the past it is not key uh Kezar. it is not oakland that is incorrect um it was not those things yet it's not keys you guys got you're thinking yeah i think more out of the box it's not a stadium um it's a location that everybody knows if you've ever been to san francisco um now hired buck shaw the head coach for twenty five thousand dollars. um like, that's where it was, and they were a part of the AAFC until it folded in 1949. Then, once they fell out of that, they joined the NFL in 1950. So, like, yeah, if you're looking at that, the 1950 NFL game, I think some of you guys are right. Um, he died of a heart This is what's crazy. He died of a heart attack at a 49ers game. Doctors told him, you have to sell the team. Uh this is Tony Morbido. you have to tell the team your heart can't handle it like you're gonna die. He said no. he said absolutely no um and what happened and again, I got this story centron uh told Brian told me about it then I started looking at um looking it up and found this stuff the 49ers were down seventeen to seven. He has a heart attack at the game 49ers are losing. They send a note to Buck Shaw the head coach, and it just said tony's gone. sure enough the 49ers come back and win that game twenty one to seventeen. Um, absolutely love it. Uh, what a story. Like, you can't make that up. Now, I, I'm, people are going to get mad at me here. I think I'm going to get in trouble. I know I'm going to get in trouble. Um, it was at Balboa Park is where the game was. Um, which is publicly owned, right, by San Francisco State University. So I feel like, and I, I'm uh, sorry if I mess this up, eventually it became known as Kezar Stadium, but it wasn't at that time. Um, so my winner, and again, I don't have like anybody here. So my free t-shirt goes to none other than Paul Madison. So Paul, go ahead and reach out to me. I'll get you something in the mail. 49ers rush podcast. Um, um, at gmail.com or on Twitter, wherever you're listening. Go ahead and message me. Let me know size, address, all those things. I'll get that sent out to you. But yeah, I was in Balboa Park, which is awesome, uh, which was owned by the school, if I'm not mistaken. And if I am mistaken, I apologize, but uh, made up my mind, I'm giving the shirt to Paul. Uh, (laughs) You're the man. If I am wrong, I'm so sorry. Please educate me and help me make sure that I understand this stuff in the future. Um, Now, let's see here. Number five. This is top five. And there's a lot of studs here. Number five, I've got, yeah, I totally washed my hands of that one. I'm done. Like, <laughs> I, I regretted doing it because I was like, man, I hope these people are so much smarter than me. Um, I'm not born and raised in San Francisco, so like, I, I know that there's some people that can educate me big time, uh, but I was just looking at opportunity to give away free stuff. Uh, hopefully that's not, uh, it, nobody's pissed off at me. Number five, I got Jim Harbaugh, and part of me wants him to be lower, part of me wants him to be higher. Because it took a couple of years to realize how dominant he was. You know, he had the one championship appearance. You know, we've only had four head coaches make it to the Super Bowl. He's one of them. He ended, and I think this is even more than the Super Bowl. Jim Harbaugh ended an 11-year playoff drought. The 49ers don't have droughts. We shouldn't have droughts. Not with our culture. Not with our, you know, ownership. Not with all those things like... We set the precedent. We're not a normal NFL team. We're a premier NFL team. And I think we forgot that for a little while. You can talk about the 80s and all the championships and just the playoffs after playoffs after playoffs after playoffs. We lost that. And it took Harbaugh to get us back to where we were. And then again, when Harbaugh left, guess what? Right back down to the Valley. And so, you know, I mean, we, we had these peak years, and it was trash before, and it was trash after. He made the playoffs in three out of four years. He was five and three in the playoffs. That's the third most playoff wins in our franchise history. He was here for four years. Here for four years. Um, three NFC Championship appearances in four years? That's just, oh. It's so good, man. He went 44-19 and with one tie. So he had a 695 win percentage. That's second best all time. 695. That's better than Walsh. And again, remember, 11 years before to win the playoffs. And then we don't go to the playoffs for a long time until Kyle Shanahan afterwards. So I get he's a psycho. (laughs) Like The dude's not right. I understand that. But he is a hell of a football coach. And... What he was able to achieve in that short time. And yeah, maybe if you didn't have Trent Balky, You know, if Trent Baalke wasn't there, I think that John Harbaugh still our coach. Or Jim Harbaugh, sorry. Um, now he's in Michigan. We'll see how long he's there. I understand that that's kind of his, you know, legacy or whatever. Like, played there, all that stuff. But man, I don't know. It, 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 it's The what-if game it is so crazy. But that, the roster was good. You got to give them that, but they couldn't win before him. They couldn't win after him. That roster was actually pretty bad afterwards. But I got Harbaugh at five. Number four. Let's change gears just a little bit here. Um, John McVay, man. Let's let's go to vice president and GM. He was there for twenty years, nineteen eighty to nineteen ninety nine. Was the head coach of the New York Giants before that as well. This is Sean McVay, you know, the head coach of the Rams. His grandfather which, you know, I don't know if you've listened to, I'm sure you have now, Kyle Shanahan was on it two weeks ago, the uh, Flying Coach podcast with Peter Schrager and Sean McVay. It's absolutely incredible. And, you know, I don't like the Rams or whatever, but I do like Sean McVay. I think that he's a good coach. A little bit, you know, whatever. You know, young guy, definitely got some confidence. I think that's a good thing. But he attributes so much of his success to his grandfather, and rightfully so. Got him the job, all those things. But back to John McVay. He was Bill Walsh's right-hand man through everything. Um, He was the NFL executive of the year of 1989. He retired in 96, so he was done with it after we won the championship. But then when DeBartolo, the team got taken from him, he had to transfer it to the Yorks, he agreed to come out of retirement to help Provide some continuity. So he was all about this franchise. So he came back out for a couple of years. Tried to help us out. All five Super Bowls were done under his reign. He's in the 49ers Hall of Fame. This is another thing that pisses me off. Why the hell is this guy not in the NFL Hall of Fame? Five Super Bowl titles during his time here. As pivotal pivotal a piece as anybody not named Bill Walsh. I think you go Eddie Debartolo, Bill Walsh. And then like maybe a step down John McVay. Like... The name just means so much in what he brought. So that's why I got him number four. You want to put him higher? I have no problems with that. A lot of teams, again, like if this dude was in the Giants or, I, I mean, so many different franchises, John McVeigh would be the most revered person for their franchise. That's how great he was. But because he was around during the time of Bill Walsh, uh, we, we don't really get that much uh publicity for him. But I know that the the older ones... The, the people that were around, the dude was it. And we owe a lot of respect and just put respect on this guy's name, John McVay. I was too low on him. And so last night when we were doing our Zoom hangout, uh, I got corrected. And I, I appreciate that because I, I make mistakes all the time. And so uh, I think four is kind of where he should be. Number three, the question that I asked... On Twitter, let me phrase it to you this way. I, I said, Bill Walsh is the greatest head coach, and there is no debate. Who's the second best head coach ever? These are the names I gave. Uh, Steve Mariucci, Buckshaw, Jim Harbaugh, George Seifert. And I'm so proud. Like, people nailed this. 59% said George Seifert. Now, th- there's three George Seiferts. Here, here's what I mean by that. Yeah, the head coaching time, he won two Super Bowls as our head coach. Um, yeah, I get that. That's awesome. But I don't think that was his greatest contribution. His DC for the 49ers, he was a defensive backs coach with us at 1980. He came one year. He was, he was at Stanford with Bill Walsh, but was a year delayed in going from Stanford to the 49ers. So he was our DB coach in 1980, then became our defensive coordinator in 1983. That's when everything shot through the roof defensively, then became our head coach in 1989. Now you look at playoff record. He was 10 and 5. That's incredible. Most he's tied for the most playoff wins with you know who. Playoffs in 7 out of 8 years as a head coach. That's unheard of. That's unheard of. 5 NFC championship appearances in a 6 year span. Unheard of. His record, okay, 98 wins, 30 losses. That's the most wins all time for anybody a 49ers head coach. win percentage. First all-time for the 49ers. And really, that's like top five all-time. You throw in like playoff records, all that stuff. Doesn't matter. This dude's in the 49ers Hall of Fame, George Seifert. And again, why the hell is he not in the NFL Hall of Fame? Like, (laughs) he's like tied for like seventh most or fifth or I think, yeah, fifth most Super Bowl wins as a head coach ever there's only so many that have multiple wins and whenever you look at what he did as DC Look at the people he coached I don't get it, man. Um, George Seifert is Incredible I understand he doesn't get revered near as much as some of the other royalty. That is the 49ers But that dude is a hell of a coach position coach defensive coordinator head coach championship 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 now I want to play the other side of the coin. He came in as a head coach and took over elite, right? Uh, you know, took over for a Super Bowl championship team. He had a great roster, great coaching staff, and all those things. But he helped build that as DC. We do not give George Seifert near enough credit. And neither does the NFL. And you know what? Shame on the NFL. Because this dude belongs in the NFL Hall of Fame, if anybody does. If anybody does, incredible what he was able to do. Um, man, yeah. Uh, Tommy, he says, Bill Walsh gave Seaford his play. Seaford said, I can't beat that. I agree. Um, you know, because whenever Walsh stepped back, he became GM. And so he was still part of the franchise. But still, Seaford was coaching. And that defense was elite from the time he stepped in in 83 all the way till he was done coaching. So good. Number two, Eddie DiBartolo Jr. What's up, man? 23 years as owner. Ah, oh, I love Eddie. And when you think 49ers, you know, if I, if I ask, I forget who it was. I think, I don't know if it was Merton Hanks or Ronnie Lott. I don't remember who it was that was telling the story. It, and sorry if I get those two confused. There was a perception around the NFL, and it was this first class, right? The 49ers changed. The way teams treated players. That's just what it was. First class. The 49ers were the envy of the league because of him, right? Uh, they all flew first class. They all no roommates on road trips. Like that was innovative because Eddie DeBartolo, he saw the players as the premium of what it meant to be a franchise. And so he wanted to take care of them in little things, luxuries, right? And so this changed the way everybody was treated. All five Super Bowls under his tenure. 49ers Hall of Fame. NFL Hall of Fame as a contributor. Now, the whole corruption thing that took place in Louisiana, I get it. That ended his ownership. But it does not negate. I mean, it had nothing to do with football stuff. Uh, you can get into that if you want to get into that. And I, I think that there's a conversation to be had about that. But from a 49ers perspective, without Eddie, we don't get Bill Walsh. We don't get George Seifert. We don't get John McVay. We don't get what the 49ers became. And it starts with ownership. It starts with ownership. He made the hires. He changed the culture. And it just got a hats off to him, man. Um, absolutely incredible, Eddie DiBartolo Jr. Incredible, incredible. Charlie, thank you so much for the gift. I appreciate it. it says, do you think we would have destroyed the Patriots in Super Bowl? Yeah, twenty eleven. So uh, you know, you go back to that one, and uh, people are cringing as we bring it up. That's when we lost in the conference championship. We were thirteen and three that year, you know. We we had a hell of a team to say the least. Um, and you know that's way back when Alex Smith was still the quarterback. You know he was starting all that stuff and all that stuff going on. And yeah, I think that that team was just primed for greatness. Our defense led the way. We had the second ranked defense, forced thirty eight turnovers, led the NFL. It was all about defense that year, if you remember. Um, Navarro Bowman was playing at his best ever Patrick Willis. I mean, yeah, there's, it would have been a game. Um, we should have been in it. The only reason why we weren't, we all know why I don't want to say his name. I don't want to make anybody mad. Oh, now I'm mad. (laughs) I tried, I I tried to protect you guys and I turned all the anger and hostility inward. Um, it just got bad. It got bad. (laughs) So yeah, there's no doubt. Like we were the best team in the NFL, I think at that point. So efficient on offense. And think at how many people would have got a Super Bowl ring that deserved one. Joe Staley, Patrick Willis, Frank Gore, oh, Alex Smith, all those guys, man. Oh, they deserved it. Sucks, man. All because of effing special teams. Philip, thank you so much for the gift, brother. Um, he said, figured out why I have poor opinion of Debarlilo. He hired Joe Thomas for GM. There you go, man. Um, yeah. There you go. And I I think that you have to hold things in context. And I think Phillip does that as well as anybody else. You want to look at all the draft picks that GMs hit on. You want to look at these amazing coaches. And let's talk about you know Jed York, who's not on my list. He's made some terrible coaching hires. But he learned from it and took himself out of the equation. Hired John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, and stepped back. Now he drunk tweets every now and then, which I respect. Um I am a drunk tweeter myself <laughs> as some of you guys well know. And, but like he's evolved, right? I mean, I think Jed York everybody would have said he sucks as an owner 4 years ago. But I think he got the Harbaugh hire right 100%, but he also got to give him credit for losing Harbaugh, but now he's got the Kyle Shanahan hire right. And so that's good, right? And so again, you put it all into perspective and kind of look at that and i think that's what we get um oh i love this who remembers george seifert's uh bosa nova visa commercials i do remember those that's way back when the i don't think it was morgan freeman it was before morgan freeman was voicing the visa commercials and yeah they were doing like all the what's it called all over the place yeah that is awesome uh, That is incredible. <laughs> James says, been watching all the old games I can find on YouTube. Helps late at night with the newborn. Dude, congrats, brother. That is absolutely incredible. Um, And, yeah, I'm the same way. You go watch those old games because you, you have in your mind certain, you know, narratives, and then you're like, huh, this guy's way better than I thought he was. This guy's maybe not as good as, you know, fat John Chapman childhood believed he would be. But the one person that does hold up, And I don't care, metrics, X's and O's, evaluation, leadership, amazing human being, fill in the blank. Number one on our list, number one on everybody's hearts, I don't think there's any debate here. Bill freaking Walsh. The Bill, the inventor of the West Coast. Uh, You can go back, there's definitely some other people that were working on that, but his implementation of that to the college and NFL level changed everything, and we're still feeling ripple effects schematically uh, through this in the NFL still to this day. There's not one NFL offense, there's not one college offense that does not implement certain principles, whether they know it or not, of this West Coast offense. The dude, he, he was a savant um, in, in the best sense of the, the word. Again, you just look at his coaching tenure, and that's enough to be number one. You could look at him as a GM, trading up for Jerry Rice, selecting Joe Montana, all these, trading for Steve, like, good Lord, those three transactions alone make you the best GM. Incredible. Uh, Three Super Bowls as a head coach, two went to Seaford, 10-4 and playoff record that's tied for first, six straight years six straight years to the playoffs before stepping down, walked out on top, 92 wins, 59 losses, one regular season uh, tie, um, 0.609 win percentage. And again, remember he started off two and four, like he took over a two and 14 team. He built this team from scratch, built it from scratch. And to me, like, okay, the championships, that's everything. But man, there, there's a difference between Bill Walsh and Seifert, right? They built it up. And I think that's why I love Kyle Shanahan and I love Hardball so much is because they took over crap and built it up. Um, Just incredible, amazing human being. You know, I still, you know, for those of you guys that are with me year-round, the draft's my thing. That, that's, that's my baby. And before I watch any film on any position, I go back, to his coaching and evaluation notes on positions, which he filled out. And basically, these are the things I look for. Now, I know that the game's changed considerably since he wrote those things 20 years ago. But it doesn't matter. Probably 25 years ago now. The way to evaluate because he understood the game so clearly and how this will be successful here because this is what we're going to do. It's it's just different. Um I don't think that there's another coach that has had near as much impact on the NFL as him. And I don't care if we're talking 49ers or we're talking greatest coaches all time. You're not putting anybody in front of this man. And if anybody wants to throw out, you know, Bill Belichick's name, which he is a great, one of the all-time greats, the amount of cheating. You got to film Cincinnati's practices? Are you kidding me? In 2020? You're filming the Cincinnati Bengals practices. That ain't the first time you've done that either. The first time you got caught in in a while. You want to get into Spygate? Oh, you want to get me mad? Bill Walsh is clean. Bill Walsh is the best that there is. And I don't think that there is anybody that can throw shade on this man. And so, yeah, I get some people are going to be like, well, I might have, you know, Don Shula ahead or whatever. That's fine. They're on the same level. You ain't putting anybody ahead of this guy. It, it, just class act, man. Just the best of the best. Oh, I will go to. I will, I'll Throw some hands. <laughs> not really. I'm not going to fight over this stuff. But, yeah, don't, don't piss me off, man. Uh, the coaching tree. Yes, Kevin, thank you. Um, just incredible. Just incredible. Um, I love it, man. How fun was this? God, it's awesome. And put it in perspective. All right? This is our past. Look where the 49ers are presently. We don't have Tom Sula. We don't have Chip Kelly. We don't have Singletary. We don't have those people. We don't have Balky. We don't have those hindrances. We have confidence. Things are trending in the right direction. This is a great time to be a 49ers fan. We've gone through droughts. 11 years without the playoffs. Are you kidding me? No. Things are trending upward. I love our roster. I love our front office. I love our owner right now. I really, really do. And I sure as hell love our head coach. 49ers, it's close, baby few days away thank you guys everybody for listening uh this was a long one but it was a fun one um absolutely incredible just looking back at the greatness that we have been we are lucky to call who we're a part of the faithful faithful then faithful now and looking forward lots more good things uh appreciate you guys thank you so much and as always stay strong faithful